Now there's uh, a couple of folks that need your prayer tonight. Um, number one, it's a uh, fellow most of you probably don't know, but uh, I barely know him myself. Brother Jim Chandler, he's a preacher. Uh, they found a little something in his throat, so that's worth praying about. And uh, so let's keep that in mind. Also, uh, Brother Russ Thompson and his family, uh, they're out tonight. Uh, Miss Thompson had her child delivered by C-section today, and uh, so she's recovering now. Everybody's doing fine there, and uh, she's not allowed to have visitors today, uh, but maybe tomorrow. But so we'll just uh, keep praying over that a little bit early, but just fine, just fine. Two or three weeks is not even considered premature. So uh, thank God for that. And then pray for me. I was in Delaware. I took a physical about three months ago to uh, get my license, uh, my DOT physical card remade. And the doctor spotted a little something. And I put it off <laughs> like most men do. And uh, But I have to go in the morning and uh, have a checkup regarding that. So y'all pray for me as I go in in the morning. Uh, that being said... Uh, go home tonight. Remember those people in your prayer the best you can. If you can't remember the names, just say, Lord, them people Brother Mike was talking Amen. about. <laughs> the Lord, He will remember. No doubt about it. First uh, Corinthians chapter 3 tonight. I'm going to preach a message to you. I've preached to you before. And um, I think it will be a blessing to you tonight. I think it might open your eyes to a few things. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and I will read, I may as well just start reading from verse number 1, and we'll read down to about verse number 15. It says, uh, verse number 3, chapter chapter 3, verse number 1, rather, it says, And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto ye were not able to bear it. Neither yet now are ye able. For ye are yet carnal, for whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are ye not carnal and walk as men? For while one saith, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, are ye not carnal? Who then is Paul and who is Apollos? But ministers by whom ye believe, even as the Lord gave to every man. I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one, and every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. That's what we're going to talk about tonight. Every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are laborers together. Now if God rewarded you uh, for your salvation, According to your own labor, you'd be in uh, a big mess. You certainly would be in a big mess. But the, the matter of salvation, you see, is, is settled. When Jesus Christ died on the cross, He said, It is finished. Amen. Hebrews chapter 10, you put that alongside of that statement, It is finished, and you get a little bit of understanding about the fact that we're not talking about your salvation here in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. For we are laborers together with God. Verse number 9. I wish you could get uh, that in your head. 
We are laborers together with God. Laborers together. Now God doesn't need your help. He doesn't need your expertise. He doesn't need your intelligence. He doesn't even need your particular talent. He gave you your particular talent so you wouldn't look like such a big fool. Yes. A person ought to be able to recognize his talents. Me, I recognize my talent where singing's concerned. You notice I don't get up and sing very much. <laughs> I don't meddle in things too high for me. But anyway, he says here, he says we are laborers together with God. Oh, you, you ought to be careful about your work ethic when you're working together with God. Oh, have you ever got beside a real professional and started doing some labor? Before long, they'll point out your faults and failures to you. Yes. Get beside a master brick mason or something like that. Hey, strike your edges a little bit better than that. Clean that up. Clean up them joints a little bit. Do it the right way. Yeah. Get on a roof with somebody that knows how to lay shingles. I mean, got it down to a science. You're crooked. You're crooked. Yeah. Yes, sir. You get to working alongside of God once in a while and he'll say, hey, you're crooked. Yeah. <laughs> you take it ever how you want it. <laughs> crooked. Crooked. Straighten up your lines a little bit. For we are laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry. Ye are God's building. Ye are God's building. Verse 10. According to the grace of God which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another buildeth thereon. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest. That's, uh, that's, the, uh, that's the subject at hand. Again, I say works. Every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire. And the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. And the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. It all looks pretty good. We'll cover this a little bit later on. Uh, when, back a couple of years ago in the building industry, they started using what they called, uh, it's not fireproof, but fire rated materials. Well, uh, every every so often in a building, they have to have fire walls, and they have to have have uh, materials put into that building that are that are resistant to fire. In other words, it it retards or it, it hinders the spread of fire. Well, you can put all the material up there you want to and call it fire retardant, but if that building ever catches on fire, that'll be the true test. Of whether or not that building's materials live up to its name or not. This is kind of what we're talking about here tonight. Every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it. Because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss and be cast into the lake of fire. That ain't what it says, is it? That's not what it says. It says, if any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss. You can lose a lot of things in this life. You can lose assurance. 
You can lose reward. You can lose inheritance. You can lose a lot of things. But you're not going to lose yourself. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss. But he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. Now, look with me. Hold your place there and turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And I want to read you a verse here. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse number 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse number 10. It says, For we must all appear before the Bema seat. Is that what it says? No. It says judgment seat. I get just a little bit sick of hearing these fellas that's been educated too high uh, for their own intelligence. Inserting these words back into the text that's not there. Uh, I heard somebody say Bema seat one time and I heard literally somebody go, what's that? What's a Bema? Yeah. Well, people don't understand. We don't speak Greek or Hebrew or Latin or any other such language. We speak English. God gave us a book in English. You don't have to change words to make you sound smarter than what you are. Matter of fact, I got the idea that most of these fellas running around using all these fancy words, they don't know Greek. No. They don't know Hebrew. If you can't order coffee in it, don't pretend to be a don't pretend to be an expert at it. Take you and set you off over there in in Greece and see how well you do at surviving. You'd probably end up they they had probably end up at the uh, embassy. We need help. Could you help me, please? I'm a Greek scholar and I can't speak the language over here. Makes a lot of sense, don't it? It says, for we must all appear before the judgment seat. Maybe they're using that word so it'll cut down on the intensity of what the verse means. It's a judgment. It's a judgment. It's a judgment. Somebody's heading for a judgment. I'll give you a clue. It's you and I. We're heading there just as quickly as we possibly can. Do you feel how fast your body's running down? You say, what's happening? We're heading towards a judgment. Heading towards the judgment. Matter of fact, that that uh, lack of ability that you feel uh, now that you're 40 or now that you're 50 and you was 20, that lack of ability that you feel, the difference, the difference that you feel between now and 20 years ago is judgment. Hmm. Have you ever thought about that? Yes. Yeah. The fact that you're running down is due to the fact that God has put judgment on us. We carry it with us all of our days. Carry it with us all of our days. Talk about that little baby that was born today. I thank God for it. I spent a good deal of time today just thanking God. That new life has come into the world. Thank God that we'll be able to be a part of it. But that baby was born today. That baby was born on its way to death. That's nothing we like to think about. That's nothing we even like to consider. But that's the case. That was the case with me. That's the case with you. But right now it is alive. And it has potential to either uh, good things in the Lord or terrible things in itself. That's the potential that man has. Just as soon as that baby was conceived, it was alive and began to grow. And it never will be any other thing until God says otherwise. The debate about... Abortion 
is over as far as I'm concerned. It never was a debate to begin with. Just tell me one thing if you don't believe it's alive. Is it dead? See, the, we're, we're, so, we're so human. <laughs> I, I don't even like that word. We're so manly that the devil can pose us a question in a certain way we never think about the obvious. Is the unborn child life? Or, is it, or, or does life begin at conception? Or does life begin when the baby enters the air that we breathe? That's foolish questions right there. Is it dead? Well, if it ain't dead, it's alive. Amen. And if it's alive, it is murder. Amen. You don't need a PhD. No. You don't need a doctorate of divinity. No. You don't need Hebrew or Greek to figure all that stuff out. If it's alive, then it's not dead. Amen. That's deep wisdom. <laughs> if it's not dead, then it's alive. Amen. If it has... Blood flowing through its veins. The life of the flesh is in the blood. Some folks like to say that uh, it's not alive until it's born and brought out into the air because God breathed the breath of life into the nostrils and man became a living soul. But the Bible doesn't say that the life is in the air. The Bible says the life of the flesh is in the blood. That's what the Bible says. That's what the Bible says. Uh, but anyway, I don't want to preach another sermon to you. I want to, I want to preach this sermon to you. For we must all be, uh, appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that every one may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Now we've already set up uh, the fact that this judgment is about our works. Now, we've already established that fact, so just get ready for it. We're going to face a judgment one of these days that's going to deal with our works, good or bad. Verse 11, Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are made manifest unto God, and I trust also are made manifest in your conscience. Well, look at that little term right there in the middle of the verse again. But we are made manifest unto God. Now turn back to 1 Corinthians chapter number 3. We are made manifest to God. We are made manifest to God. Now, with that said, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank You, dear God, for Your goodness. I thank You for Your mercy. God, I pray that You'd help me tonight to preach. I, I, Lord, I got it in the back of my mind that I might have prayed already, but if I did, God, just bless this second prayer. God, help me, God, to preach tonight. Give me clarity of thought here. Lord, remove every resistance, remove every obstacle, God, to the preaching of Your Word. I pray that You'd help me for just a few minutes here, God, to preach as I ought to, to speak as I ought to. Lord, to bring out the Word of God in a way, dear Lord, that would change hearts and lives here tonight. We'll thank You and praise You for what You do. In Christ's name, Amen. Alright, back up in verse, back up in First Corinthians chapter 3. Uh, looking back over in verse number 9, it says this. It says, We are laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry. Ye are God's building. Now, we said this before, and, and I'll say it again right now. We are laborers. We are laborers. This thing has to do with labor. This judgment has to do with labor. It's as sure as, we, as, as you're sitting here tonight that we're going to meet this judgment. Not one of us is going to be exempt from it. Not one lost man, though, is going to reach this judgment. 
A lost man will end up at a great white throne judgment. And that's no place to be. If you turn over to the book of Daniel in your own time and start reading about some of those things, you'll find that there's a judgment set and there's some books open over there and a whole lot of folks standing before him. But the folks are standing behind him. That'll be you and I. That'll be you and I. That's a great white throne judgment. At another time, we'll go through that stuff step by step and we'll cover that stuff. But I hope and pray to God that none of us sitting here in this building tonight, I know all of you, as far as I know, and as, as far as I know, everybody in here has made a profession of faith. Whether you saved or not, I don't know. But I know, I believe for the most part that everybody in here is saved. And if you're saved, you're going to hit this judgment right here that we're going to talk about. There's no getting out of it. There's no getting around it. There's no getting around it. And it's about labor. The context is labor. It's not sin. I couldn't say that enough. There's too many Christians today that are, that are fumbling and, uh, and nervous and out of their mind over this issue about whether they believe with their head or if they believe with their heart or are they going to be good enough to get to heaven or if this, that, and the other. You ought to learn one way or another. And the only way I know how to do it is to get in your Bible and study. But you're going to have to learn to rest in Christ. You're going to have to learn how to do that. You're going to have to learn how to do that. Your labor is what we're dealing with here, not your salvation. Your labor, your labor, your labor. As far as this judgment is concerned, I have no fear of going to hell. I don't fear going to hell no more than I fear anybody's going to run through old brother Henry right there to get to me. And let me tell you this, when old brother Henry fails, God ain't going to fail. No, sir, I'm not worried about that one bit. I'm not worried about, there's no use in worrying about impossibilities. Uh, How many of y'all sitting around worried about y'all going to become a millionaire next week? Sitting around, Lord, man, I might just fall into a million dollars next week. The possibility ain't very real, is it? No, sir. The possibility is not very real. It's not real at all that you're ever going to die and go to hell. It's not going to happen. The only folks that make it to hell are those that make it to the great white throne. That's the only ones in my Bible that make it to hell. So he's talking about labor here. Labor. It's talking about for the Christians. Sins is settled at Calvary. We've covered some of this stuff Already. And uh, so let's move on here. Look down in verse 12. Verse number 12. Now if any man build upon this foundation. Listen at these things. Here's a whole uh, range of things here. Gold starts off at the best, doesn't it? Can you think of anything better than gold? No. Me neither. Lost my place. Oh, verse 12. Gold, silver, precious stones... Wood, hay, and stubble. That's a, that's a great uh, de-evolution of materials, isn't it? That's a, great, uh, that's a great falling away as far as I'm concerned. Gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and stubble. Six kinds of, six kinds of material there. It starts, starts off at the greatest and it uh, proceeds on down to the, to the least. But let me say this, as far as the Christian works are concerned, it all looks to me like gold. If I see a fellow come in, in, in his, uh, in his uh, Sunday best and he's carrying his Bible down the aisle, I look at that Bible under his arm and I think, pure gold. Now inside that man's heart may be the heart of a man that knows and loves and seeks and searches the Word of God. may not. Another fellow come in 
come down the aisle and he's got the same Bible underneath his arm. I look at him and I say, boy, it looks like gold. Looks like gold to me. But when he sits down in that pew, all I can do is look at the outward appearance and say, looks like gold. But inside of his heart may be the heart of a man that actually hates the Word of God. Paul said there are some men that preach Christ just out of contention. You cannot see what's in the heart. You cannot see what's in the heart. When a, when a man goes out on visitation on Saturday or when a man begins to get down on his knee and pray, when I, if I can see it, if I can look at it, looks like gold to me. Looks like gold. As far as I'm concerned, that's the best thing on earth. Look at somebody praying. Look at somebody serving the Lord. As far as I know, they're doing it with all their heart. That's gold to me. But God looks down and He sees something else entirely. God knows. God knows. And it's a good thing that God doesn't reveal to us things like that about one another. We'd end up resenting one another and hating one another. You old faker. And next week they'd come up to us. You old faker. Just depends on which aspect of your life being surveyed at the moment. Right? He says every man's work, verse number 13, every man's work shall be made manifest for the day shall declare it because it shall be revealed by fire. And the fire shall try every man's work for what, of what sort it is, what kind it is. Now, most of the time I make the reference, and this is for your benefit, uh, we talk about a fire. You know, we see this, uh, I usually use a plant right in front of the pulpit because that's where it's at and and we can use that as an easy reference. We oftentimes, when we think about this fire, we think about a fire, and it's okay to visualize these things like that. But my Bible says our God is a consuming fire. Our God is a consuming fire. Let me say this. When you hit this judgment, everything that you are, everything that you think, everything that you've ever done, as far as, far as the Christian life is concerned, is going to melt away. And the only thing that will be left that day is the things that are done for Christ in sincerity, in love. Now we can use this little flower pot as a, as a point of reference and say we're going to cast our works into it and we understand what we're talking about. But when you hit the judgment, there's not going to be no use. There's not going to be no heavy sack on your back full of the works you've done. There's not going to be any of that. It's just going to be you and Christ Jesus the Lord. And some things are going to fall away. Some things are not going to stick. And the Lord tells us to guard against those things. Let no, man, let no man beguile you. He says, let no man deceive you. He says, for you to be careful. Be awful careful. I mean, to do your diligence and make very sure that you don't lose a reward. We ought to guard against those things. But he says in verse 13, he says, Every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. Now I believe, uh, I'll say this and then I'll get on with the sermon. But I'll say this and I believe this, and if you don't believe it the same way, that'll be fine with me, because uh, this is, uh, to me, a little bit open to interpretation, because... I don't see it defined clearly in the Scripture. Maybe you do. You can show me after service. I'll be happy to see it. Happy to know it. But I believe Jesus Christ is my personal Savior. I believe it will be a personal judgment. That's what I believe about the Christian. The great white throne is not so. The great white throne, uh, the great white throne you'll be out there in front of God and everybody in the universe. And 
I'd say it's going to be a day of sorrow, a day of shame, a day of tears, a day of bitterness. But not so with the judgment seat of Christ, I don't believe. Jesus Christ is my personal Savior. I have a personal relationship with Him. And what He hides from you and what He hides from me right now, I believe He'll hide in the judgment seat. Now I've got to come out from that judgment. I'll have reward or I won't have reward. That'll, be, that'll speak plain enough, will it not? Yes, it will. I believe it will. Now, as I say, I can't, I can't teach that as a 100% fact that you'll be standing before Christ and Christ alone. But that's that. That's that. That's all I know about that. But he says in verse 14, let's read this. If any man's work abide which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. Now let's get into a message. That's what we want. We want our works to abide. I want to go into that judgment. I want to face the Master, the Savior, the God of this universe. I want to face Him and come out with a full reward. I don't want nothing to fail. I don't want nothing to falter. I don't want the fact that I'm a man wrapped in flesh to rob me of a reward. The Bible says you can overcome evil with good. You can overcome wickedness and rottenness. You can overcome. The Bible says faith is the victory anyway. If something as simple as faith could overcome the rottenness of this flesh, I think I'd want part of that. I've tried labor. I've tried bicep power, hadn't you? I'm, just, I'm going to quit this stuff. I'm going to quit it. I'm going to stop it. I'm going to stop it. Two days later. Sorry, Lord, I did it again. You ought to try a little faith. You ought to try a little faith. God likes faith. God honors faith. He certainly does. He certainly does. We want our works to abide. That's the goal. Tried by fire. If it burns, you lose. Except you'll be saved. You'll lose the things and that's it. Now I want to talk to you for just a few minutes. If there is going to be a judgment, and I believe there is, 100% for sure, no doubt about that. If there is going to be a judgment, then I want to be prepared for it. I believe we can be prepared for it. I believe that with all of my heart. I believe we can be prepared for it. If we want things that are going to abide the fire, then I believe I ought to be able to tell you a few things tonight to take with you to this judgment that when at the end of the day when the Bible says the day shall reveal it the day is going to make it manifest at the end of that day you'll come away with something you'll come away with a reward I want to give you just a few things here tonight that you can take to this judgment and you'll come out with a reward I believe this with all my heart number one number one if you want to come through this judgment if you want to come through this judgment and you want to keep your reward, then here's what you take with you. Number one, reading eyes. All you're going to walk into that judgment with is your body. That's it. That's all that gets to go with you. Your house, your cars, uh, vans, swimming pools, all that stuff is not going with you. Your bank account is not going with you. All you're going in with is little old you. If you go in before that judgment, take with you reading eyes. Reading eyes. These old eyes get tired. I can't hardly see without my glasses and I don't wear them in here because they distract me and feel bad on my nose and end up throwing them around. But I tell you what, these old eyes, God gave them to me and He gave me a book to read. 
Second Timothy chapter two and verse fifteen says what I bet most of you know it. Study. Well, what's he talking about? Mathematics? Is he talking about science? Uh, don't take heart there, school children. <laughs> you still gotta do your studying. You gotta study that uh, in, in your in in your appointed time. But listen, if a Christian's gonna make it through the judgment and have something left over, he's gonna have to study the Word of God. He's gonna have to commit himself, he's gonna have to commit his eyes. To study in God's Word. To give God's Word uh, some study, some labor. And matter of fact, it'll, it'll be far greater for you uh, than you imagine because the Bible says much study is a weariness to the flesh. Yes. It's a weariness to the flesh. Now, would you agree with me that your flesh is the greatest enemy that you have? You say, oh, Brother Mike. No, it's the devil. Sorry. It's you. Yeah. It's not my brother or my sister, but it's me, O oh Lord, standing in need of prayer. Yes, sir. You are the worst enemy you've got. You wake up with you every morning. And mad at yourself most of the time, taking the nap on everybody else. Yes, that's the way we are. That's the way we are. But I'll tell you what, the Bible says much study is a weariness to the flesh. You want to wear that flesh out? Just hit it every day with a double, triple uh, dose of... Uh, the Word of God. Read it and read it and read it and read it. And the flesh goes, Can I have a break now? <laughs> Give it another shot. Read it and read it. And pretty soon you'll be laying there like this. Yeah. But I don't guess there's no worse place. I mean, I don't guess there's no better place to fall asleep than with your face right there on the pages of that book. It'll do you good. It'll do you good. And listen, when it comes down at the end of time uh, and the Lord calls you up before the judgment, you can stand before Him and you don't have to uh, stand there going, Lord, I just didn't know that was in there. Lord, I just didn't know I was supposed to do that. Lord, I didn't know I was supposed to uh, talk like that. Lord, I didn't know I was supposed to walk like that. Lord, I didn't know I... See, that's no way to, that's no way to stand before the Lord. The Bible says we can come boldly before the throne of grace. What makes us think as Christians we couldn't come boldly before the throne of judgment? We should be able to. We ought to be able to. Present and accounted for. We ought to be able to do that. Reading eyes. What do you know about the Word of, the, about the word of God? The Bible says, uh, take heed unto the doctrines. Take heed unto the doctrines. He said, if you'll take heed to the doctrines, you'll not only save yourself, but them that hear you. Hear thee. Take heed to them. Fasten yourself to them. Search them. Read them. Pray over them. All sorts of things. Just open your Bible and get in it. Reading eyes. Reading eyes. Number two, you take reading eyes. Number two, you take with you listening ears. Listening ears. You know what the best attitude of a Christian is? A quiet one. A quiet one. James 1.19 says for you to be swift to hear and slow to speak. Slow to speak. Slow to speak. I think preaching ought to be a daily exercise for the Christian. 
I'm not talking about you preaching. I'm talking about somebody preaching to you. I mean, get yourself into position where you can hear some preaching, where you can uh, find something to study in the Word of God, where you can where you can take in about 150,000 times more information Christianity-wise than you put out. Just listen, 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 listen. That way when you go out and you got an opportunity to witness, oh yeah, I remember. Oh yeah, I remember. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Well, fill it up. Yes, yeah. Fill it up. Amen. That way when you get out in town, all you know to talk about. Hey, did you see that Yankees game yesterday? Them Braves, they sure put it to them, didn't they? Yeah. Uh, well, did you see that, that old running back? He took off and run a hundred yards, and nobody could stop him. And you're sitting here thinking, "Well, I don't know about that. I know Jesus died; uh, Christ died for my sins, though. Amen. I do know that. It'll break up a party right quick. <laughs> it'll break up. It'll break up a corner gathering before you know it. I like going uptown here in the middle of the day and handing out the flyers for the church and just walk up one down one side and up the other and down one side and up the other and just have a big old handful of them with you and just hand them out as you go. And go down there to that little stand where people sit and watch them locomotive trains run up and down the thing and just go out there and start get in the middle of them. How y'all doing? I know what they're going to say before I get there. Start handing them things out. And just about the time I get to them and they see, they're about to get a piece of paper. I'm not from here. <laughs> I'll be about to pass one out to them. I'm not from here, sir. And I'll flip it over and i say, okay, you need this side then. The other side's got the gospel on it. One side's got an invitation to church. The other side's got the gospel. So I'll start to hand it to them. I'm not from here, sir. Okay, take this one. He's, one fella said on the street right there in front of the um, pharmacy on Main Street the other day, he said, I don't think I need this. I said, I think you do. <laughs> he said, well, uh, I'm not even from here. I said, it'll be good for you. He said, I'm from a long ways from here. I said, then it'll be extra good for you. <laughs> And he's already got it in his hand. He's not going to talk me out of that. I'm not going to take it back. I've had people try to fight me because I wouldn't take it back. (laughs) But this fellow says, I'm not sure I need this. You need it. You need it. You need it. You need it. What makes a man go out and pass out tracts and knock on people's doors? You know that's obnoxious, don't you? Do you realize, I mean really, I'll be honest with you, it's obnoxious to go knock on somebody's door, get them up too early, and uh, bring them to the door on Saturday morning, tell them they need to come to church, go out on Main Street where people's just minding their own business, going to the bank or going to the pharmacy, or going about their business, or just sitting around watching trains, whatever kind of wasteless stuff. Uh, if a person wants to waste their time, I guess they got just as much, uh, much right to do that as I do. Don't they? Yeah. There's a lot of things that we pretty pretty down on in our in our life, and uh, it's really up to the individual how he wants to waste his time, ain't it? But it's pretty obnoxious when some fella comes up and shoves a big yellow piece of paper in your face. You must be born again. <laughs> of course, we don't go at it quite like that. But if the Lord leads that way, I don't have no problem doing that. 
Sir, can I invite you to church? And you know good and well they're walking down the street going, I wish these dirty, blankety, blank, and would mind their own business. That's what they're thinking. Very rarely will they walk off saying, I really appreciate that. Very rarely. What would cause a man to go out and just be obnoxious like that? I mean, some men are fools, I realize, but they're not going to be obnoxious in this way. They're going to be obnoxious in other ways. But what caused a man to do that? A man that loves God and a man that loves decency and a man that loves order? What would cause him to go out in town and just turn it upside down? The man's not even drunk. (laughs) Not even been drinking. And go out and just make everybody in town mad. What would cause a man to do something like that? There's about only one thing that I can think of and he's plumb full. He listens and listens and listens and listens. And pretty soon he gets impatient. Remember I was telling you about Ruth's daddy the other day? Say, what's wrong with the fellow like that? He's full. Listening ears get you full. Amen. If you ain't careful, Philip, sitting on that front row, all this stuff will hit you first. You might soak up more of it than anybody else. And just get full. Just get full as an old tick. Just one touch. <laughs> Set you off. <laughs> it, it's happened just like that to many a men. If I preach another hour and a half, I might get loosened up here. I hope y'all don't feel the tension that's in me. I... If I get a little ache in my side or if i got to go to the doctor for something, I'm naturally a hypochondriac. When that doctor told me in, in December that I had something going on, I stayed in bed about three days. And that, that ain't no joke. I was down. I was down. Ruth, Kevin, my cousin, called me the other day and said, Did you ever go to the doctor and get that thing taken care of? I said, No. I've got faith. (laughs) One old fellow in the Bible sent for the physicians and God said, hey, because you sent for the physician, you ain't going to recover. I've been right in here praying. Lord, do you remember that? (laughs) Kevin called me yesterday and said, did you go to the doctor yet? I said, no. He said, the Lord laid that on my heart. I said, I got up extra early. About 5 o'clock yesterday, I started feeling bad and my side started hurting. I need to go lay down. Yes, sir. I feel kind of... Oh, a little bit of preaching do you good, though. I might go in there tomorrow and have nothing. But anyway, that's usually what it is anyway. But anyway, listen at me telling y'all not to worry over every little thing. Pot calling the kettle black. Listening ears. You ought to listen enough to get full. They say if you, they say in, uh, you know, I was looking at some stuff about losing weight. I never thought I'd ever do that, but when you only got one or two pairs of pants that are fit, I'm not a big fella. I weigh about 168 now. That's all. But uh, I'm used to weighing 135. (laughs) 
That's what I'm used to weighing. <laughs> now I weigh about 168 or so. And only got one or two. Brother Henry just said, I thought I heard him say he weighed that when he was born. <laughs> Uh, but when you when you can't wear but one or two pairs of pants, you will begin to search through the internet. Uh, I'm not taking no Jenny Craig or nothing like that. I promise you that. But you begin to you begin to look at some ways uh, to trim up a little bit. Of course, sit ups will work like a charm. But who wants to go through that? <laughs> Uh, I've got enough work to do in this Christian labor stuff. But every time I try to put on those 30-inch waist pants, they judge me. They say, you're not 25 anymore, son. You're an overeater. I don't see how that's possible. But one of those ways that they say you can lose weight is push back from the table before you get full. But that will kill a Christian. That will kill a Christian. Don't ever push back from the table before you're just as full as you could possibly be. Just as full as you could possibly be. If you take to the judgment listening ears, how could that be wrong? How could that be anything but gold? When the preacher gets up to preach, listen. If he's full of baloney, nine times out of ten you'll know it. Unless you want to be deceived. Do you know nine times out of ten, unless God's real merciful, I might knock it down to eight times out of ten because God's real merciful. Most of the time, God's going to give you exactly what you want. Mm. Listening ears. Swift to hear. Slow to speak. Slow to speak. Slow to speak. I'd like to go over to Ecclesiastes chapter 5 and talk about that sacrifice of fools. But we don't have time for that tonight. You look that up on your own tonight. Come into the house of God. Sacrifices are offered. Yes. Be very, very careful what you say. Give all the testimonies God leads you to give. Give all the thanks and all the glory that God wants you to give. But be very careful. Treading on dangerous ground. It's always better to listen than it is to speak. That's why preachers, listen, that's why preachers are on dangerous ground every time they stand up. The wrong word, the wrong message, the wrong attitude. All of those things. Very important. Very important. And then 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17 says, Pray without ceasing. That's a deep verse, ain't it? God's real clear when He wants us to get a message. I mean, when He wants us to get the message, He's real clear. Not only do we need reading eyes and listening ears, but a bended knee. A bended knee. If you take a bended knee with you, you're going to do some, some good at the judgment. You're going to come out for the good at the judgment. I believe a bended knee is the, is the, is the most gold you could get in the Christian life. You, can, you can't get any more golden than that. 
a bended knee. It's the place, I find that, that a bended knee is the place of the fiercest combat for a Christian. If the, if the Christian life is combat, if it is a, a war between the flesh and the spirit, uh, the prayer time, your prayer time is going to be the place where you're going to do most of that fighting. When you open up the Word of God, the Word of God opens you up and it sees the thoughts and the intents of the hearts and God will give you exactly what you need from the Word of God. I, I, I have no tr- trouble believing that at all. But I have a lot of trouble believing uh, that that Christians uh, often go to their knees in real, earnest, sincere prayer. I have a problem believing that. You say, why? Because the fruits of the life. The fruits of the life. The fruits of the life. It will be different if a man's praying than it will if they're just coming to church three times a week. Coming to churches three times a week is a great thing. I highly recommend it. I'd rather be preaching to you than these pews. I promise you that. But listen, a bended knee make all the difference in the world. It'll make all the difference in the world. Pray without ceasing. You can pray all day. Did you know that? We talk about praying 15 minutes or, or 5 minutes or praying an hour or praying 2 hours or praying 3 hours. But how about just praying all day? Now don't get me wrong. And listen, when you're driving, don't shut your eyes and pray. <laughs> but listen, when you come into a situation at your workplace, here, there, everywhere, wherever you're going, say a little prayer. You can pray over it. And that's what I believe the Bible means, pray without ceasing. Also, I believe it means don't pray tomorrow and the next day and skip Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday and start praying Saturday and Sunday and then skip Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. I believe it also means pray without ceasing means pray all the time. Pray every day. Don't be up and down and up and down and up and down and up and down and up and down. In and out, in and out. Just pray all the time. Pray without ceasing. I mean, we could. it's three little simple words, but we could go on and analyze it and analyze it and analyze it. But listen, prayer is important. Prayer is, prayer is a great source of, of revelation. Prayer is where God, I mean, something happens in prayer that I just can't, we talk about things that are unspeakable. Thanks be unto God for His unspeakable gift. Joy unspeakable. Hey, sometimes, uh, well, I guess I could say that prayer is an unspeakable thing, the description of it, because the Bible says we know not how to pray as we ought. The Bible says the Spirit makes intercession for us with the groanings which cannot be uttered. That sounds pretty unspeakable to me. Sounds pretty unspeakable to me. But listen, you ought to pray. You ought to bend your knee. Uh, I, most of the time when I pray in a group, I'll stay on my knees. We have prayer in here every day about 7 o'clock. Well, I can't say every day, but most days we're in here at 7 o'clock. Four or five of us, maybe six. And we'll be down on our knees praying. Now, when everybody's gone and I come in here by myself, something else takes place. And that's why I recommend to you that if you do have prayer with a group and if you do have prayer with a family, still go off somewhere and close the door and get by yourself. And the Bible says the effectual, fervent prayers of a righteous man availeth much. Much. Effectual. It seems to me that Christians are not affected or effectual about anything anymore. When it says effectual, it's not talking about the effect of the prayer. The effect of the prayer is up to the one who answers the prayer. But you know what we need? We need men who are affected. 
I mean, who are touched. Who really feel the burden of the thing that they're praying for. They're moved. When you get in front of the football game and the, whoever your favorite team is is, uh, is about to make a touchdown, it's, oh yeah, yeah. When the hero gets shot out of the saddle on the favorite western, oh. you know it's going to end just like every other movie you ever watched in your lifetime. But When I was a kid, I used to hear my mama talking to her friend. Boy, let me cover up this microphone so she don't hear. I used to hear her talking about, what's Hope going to do? <laughs> let me see how many of you ladies recognize that. What's old Hope going to do? And you know, she's broke up again. And, oh, Hope. Hope, 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 Hope. I found that one day that was one of the soap opera ladies. <laughs> Oh, Hope. I don't know who her husband was, but she probably needed to run that feller off. But that affects people. They feel, listen, they feel the effects of the things that they give their hearts and life to. They're affected by it very easily. People sit in front of the TV and just melt. Oh. Look what a wonderful life they have. Yes, sir. And we'll cry. Hero gets shot. Something happens to a little baby. Listen, let me get on your case about TV. You ought not watch nothing on TV that, that has to do with little kids. Little kids getting murdered and killed and kidnapped and possessed with devils. This world has gone crazy over horror movies that star little kids getting messed up. And then they wonder, how in the world does our, does our society get in such a bad shape? You turn your kids over to the devil. That's why. That's why. You ought not watch stuff like that. You see something like that, you put a little child as the picture of the monster, that's going to break your affection for those children. See, a lot of times we don't realize what's going on on the television right before us. They call it programming for a reason. The program is not what you're seeing on TV. The program is you. And you're sitting there receiving information. Yes, sir. You see that stuff on this kid gets killed and that kid gets murdered and this one gets abducted and that one gets possessed by the devil and that one spins across the ceiling and this one, before long just a kid it's just a kid it'll make you cold it'll make you unaffected but when you go to your knees in prayer you ought to be uh, affected and you ought to be fervent fervent I got to pray in here one night and boy if you'd have heard if you could have had a recording you'd have the best message you ever heard in your life I, I thought it was real good <laughs> Philip would have been proud. He told me one time, he said, I like to hear them preachers that screaming, hollering, and I got in here praying one night and got to be about like that. I got real quiet. Sorry, Lord. I didn't mean to get... I kind of come up here and hid a little while. God, I'm sorry. 
And before you know it, I was up again. <laughs> Screaming and hollering. I come back up here and got down on my knees. I said, I'm sorry, God. I didn't mean to you know, get out of the banks or nothing. I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to blaspheme, God. I didn't mean to holler at you. I, I had my fist in the sky going, God, what about this? What about it? Sorry, Lord. You say, what's going on, Brother Mike? I was wrestling. I was trying to pray and something in the back of my mind was saying, you can't pray like that. You can't do this. Sit down somewhere. That's right. I'd crawl back up here. Lord, is that right? Show me if that's right. I ain't trying to offend you. Before you know it, I'd be back up there. I'm going to fall. I ain't careful. <laughs> but it'd keep you awake if I did, wouldn't it? <laughs> you say, what was the outcome of that? The Lord showed me that verse. Fervent. Let me give you an example of what fervent is not. <laughs> now, dear God, we thank Thee for Thy everlasting mercies and we beseech Thee, O Lord, to come in here and wake us up. <laughs> That's not fervent. That's not fervent. <clears throat> and listen, we come in here every night and we pray and try to keep a sane mind and try to make sure people don't think we're crazy and stuff like that. But listen, you close that door, it's just you and God. The effectual, fervent prayers of a righteous man availeth much. And I want the availeth. I want something to happen when I pray. And I believe stuff will happen when I pray. And I believe stuff does happen when I pray. Why? Because you're so high and mighty? No, sir. No, sir. Not because that. I've got a God that hears it. I've got a God that commanded fervent prayer. I've got a God that commanded that. And you ought not be ashamed to just maybe get out of the banks once in a while yourself. Get rid of a little bit of your di- uh, 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 dignity. And get alone by yourself and just holler and scream and make God understand that you do feel something about something besides your favorite television character. And if you got to get up and walk around and shake it off, that'll be fine. I don't believe the, I always try to start on my knees, get good and clean, ask God to forgive me. <laughs> I'm conscious of the fact that I'm trying to preach seven or eight messages here, but bear with me because it's important. Try to get down on my knees, get clean, give God the glory that's due to His name, give Him thanksgiving, and before I know it, I'm up walking. I just can't hardly contain myself. I feel a little bit like a charismatic sometimes. Yes, sir. I feel a little bit I feel a little bit odd sometimes. I feel a little bit crazy sometimes. I got a little bit mad the other day. Uh Ruth and, and the girls they walked in here on me while I was praying. I, I felt a little bit uh out of place. But I wasn't the one that's out of place. They is the one that's out of place. <laughs> I'm not sure I can do the face right, but I'm sure I conveyed to them the fact that they needed to get out. You say, why? That was mine and God's time. Fellas, you ought to have you and God time. If somebody comes in, say, get out! Yes, sir, make it known that when you're in prayer time, you're in prayer time. Ladies, same thing. Somebody comes in, darling, could you fix me a plate? I think we ought to give them that, fellas. 
You couldn't do better than to have a wife that want to get along with God and cry out to Him over some things. She might be praying about you. Fellas, your life might be ten times better if you give her five minutes to pray every once in a while. Get that load of firewood out of her arms and let her pray once in a while. My wife, I don't I just don't understand what's wrong with her. It's you <laughs> It's you. Bended knee, listening ears, reading eyes. Number whatever number this would be. I don't have them numbered. The Bible says, see that you love one another with a pure heart. There's that word again. Fervently. Fervently. Americans waste their love on He's going to hit it again, Brother Curtis. Folks waste their love on television. Yes, they do. Waste it. The Bible says for you to love one another with a pure heart. That's right. A pure heart. Right. Fervently. A pure heart fervently. I mean, that same. You can love people with that same attitude. Amen. Man, I hope Philip gets it. I mean, I really, Lord, when we come preach tonight, I hope, I hope he gets. It. I hope he comes away with something. God, oh, so and so, he's got a problem. I hope tonight when he comes into church and, and God lets somebody preach, I hope he just gets it. Something that'll tear you up, and make you cry, make you just fall apart. You ever seen an old boy when he loses his little girlfriend about 16 years old? I reckon it's all over now. Yes. Yes, we need exactly we need a sixteen year old's heart for one another. We certainly do. We certainly do. We need that kind of thing. Reading eyes, listening ears, bended knee, a loving heart, and a talking mouth. Acts chapter one verse eight says you're going to receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me. A talking mouth, a loving heart, bended knees, talking mouth, and uh Listening in. Those things will come through the judgment. Those things will come through the judgment. If I was you, I would just open my Bible and try to find out how to make every one of those things work in your life. You can't go wrong that way. You can't go wrong that way. A lot of your doctrines, a lot of your a lot of the stuff you want to study and find out and learn, they'll come through one of those things. By witnessing, by praying, by studying the Bible, by listening, God will make a lot of things fit in your life. If you'll just do those things. And when you go to the judgment, you can walk right in there and say, Glad to be here. Thank God we're finally here. But the Bible says for the most part, the day of the Lord, the people that are crying, the day of the Lord, the day of the Lord, it'll be a day of terror to them. They'll spend their whole life saying, 
Can't wait for the day of the Lord. I can't wait till the Messiah shows up. I can't wait till Jesus comes back. I can't wait. I can't wait. And when He shows up, they'll be hiding somewhere. It'll be a day of terror to them. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Heavenly Father, thank You for Your goodness. Thank You for Your mercy tonight, dear God. I pray You'd help us to keep this thing in our minds and in our hearts. God, I pray that You'd help us, dear God, to, uh, to study Your Word, Lord, to, to listen to as much of the Gospel and as much of the good things uh, as we can from the Word of God. God, help us to bend our knees in prayer. God, help us to go out into a lost and dying world and use our mouth. God, we are ambassadors for Christ's sake. Dear God, help us, uh, Lord, to go out and speak about the kingdom of Your dear Son. God, help us, dear Lord, to do these things. Help us to listen correctly and to talk correctly and to read our Bibles correctly and to love one another with a pure heart fervently. God, help us to do these things. Lord, just a little reminder tonight, just a little Sunday school lesson, God, to help us and and show us, Lord, that we got to keep these things, the first things in our hearts and lives, the simple things, the milk of the Word, dear God. Help us, dear God, to, to love these things, to incorporate these things into our life. Go with us to our homes. God, watch over us as we travel. Bring us back at the appointed hour. And we'll thank you and praise you for all that you do. In Christ's name I pray it. Amen. Now before you go, Miss Sandra's got a little announcement for you.